Let us begin. <laughs> so here we are at the end of uh, season one, Pete. We did it. Did you ever think, just a moment of reflection, did you ever think we would finish season one? No, I really didn't. <laughs> I say that as if season one was interminable. It really was not. I just mean, in the spirit of this podcast, did you ever think you would see yourself having become a podcaster and psychologist? Second. Psychologist is second. <laughs> no, Pete, I never did. And like every other thing that you get me to do, I have to hate you for just a little while. And then I realize that was really awesome. <laughs> and so maybe Pete's kind of awesome. I and I'm back to being your friend me. again. But see, oh, at first I'm man. like, oh, my God, why do I do these things that Pete thinks I should do? Why? <sighs> they're amazing. Exactly. They're amazing. And look That's at the exactly amazing why. people we have talked to. This, you always this know this That's before so, I do. Why do you always know this? I, <laughs> Just a few seconds before you do. I. Uh, how do you want to approach this? This uh, for for those who haven't heard an afterthoughts, because for a lot of people, this is the first thing we're doing completely public. The first afterthoughts that we're releasing releasing completely to the public. Uh, do you want to set the stage for what what this is? Well, sure. Um, here's here's our idea. Remember, this show called the Change Paradox is really chewing on a pretty complicated topic it's subtle it's tricky and uh i am not approaching this podcast as as somebody who considers himself a total expert on this particular aspect of change i am as curious as anybody about how this really works and so what i wanted to do with this season is bring together um as many wisdom keepers as many change agents experts in the field of change uh like sort of wise people, blind sages circling the elephant, my thought is that we'd be able to learn about why change is so often subtle and paradoxical, at least in my experience, um, by learning from many different points of view. And so the Afterthought series has been a gift to our kind members um, and a chance for you and I to talk after every episode about, so what did we learn that time? What did you get from that? It's a chance for us to have our friendly, fun banter, but also really a chance for us to reflect on, so how did that guest hit you? Um, for me to get some feedback from somebody who's a dear friend but not a psychologist, for me to also get to talk about how I work with some of those ideas as a psychologist or how I will will want to start to and so on. So our idea for this episode was, what if we did an Afterthoughts episode for the entire season and give people some sense of what those conversations sound like? That's right. And uh, what's really great about it is, uh, you know, our members, people who are, are paying members of the Change Paradox or Friend of the Show or, or Pace of Change members uh, who, who pay us monthly or annually, they have been getting these all along because they have a personal, private uh, podcast feed from us that they get when they sign up that delivers the full-length Afterthoughts episodes to them as we rec every other week as we record them so they get a weekly podcast but if you've if you have never explored what the change paradox is all you're getting are the interviews which are fantastic in and of themselves but you might have never heard what Dodge and I do together. So uh, if you're curious for five bucks a month you can have access to this via your very own personal private podcast feed from us. And now you get to hear this plan from Dodge which should take us roughly, six to seven hours to get through right it'll be great yeah that's all all um, of it 
Yeah, I, I, that was the greatest freaking idea I've ever came up come up with until um, until I actually tried to start getting my head around uh, the eight amazing conversations we had with eight amazing yeah. guests. Nine, no, with Credo, and that took some doing. Um, and I didn't want to approach it sort of you know old student style and come in having done my homework, but I at least wanted to give this enough thought that, that I had some idea of what I wanted to talk about. And what I ended up doing, just so I could figure out, like, okay, is there a thread here for this season? I, I decided I would try and summarize what did I what did I learn from each of these guests in about a sentence. I did the same thing. Did you do that? I did the same thing, and that was unplanned. Although you say you wanted to approach it. I wanted to approach it much more from the perspective of the Great British Baking Show, where we... <laughs> <laughs> of course, he we would, have. We, what else would we've you do? let them all come under the tent, and then one of them is the star guest, and one of them has to go home. Right? Every every it's, it's like a, <laughs> none of these. You can't possibly send one of these guests home. They've been incredible. Like every time, I was like, God, that was an amazing episode too. Yeah. How did we find these people? Yeah, that's ab- absolutely right. I, I, the the way I looked at it was very much, uh, you know, what is it like if I had to boil down the experience, my lived experience today, the lesson or lessons that I carry forward from them, whether or not they're they're actually lessons or observations or just insights that have changed the way I live my life in some small way today, based on those conversations. Um, uh, that's that's the that's the one liner from oh, me, and I even came up so with a cool. sticker. Yeah, this is going to be so yeah. cool. I I did it a little differently because I was looking for like what what am I learning about paradoxical change? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I I it's a different sort of summary in in one sentence. Right. I, just, I can't wait to hear what you've what you've come up with. You want to go first? Sure. Uh, so first was Ben, uh, your brother, Ben, mm-hmm. right? Uh, who's uh, amazing and also a jerk because he <laughs> made us all cry, including himself. <laughs> uh, this is and, like a nunchucks expert yeah. who ends up like, you know, uh, oh. fatally knocking himself out. <laughs> himself in the face <laughs> right. with the stick. Just oh, way too gifted to survive the interaction himself. Okay. That's exactly right. I for for me, Ben. I, I mean, I find myself uh, running into this all the time, especially in our pandemic uh, situation. We spend a lot of time at home, and uh, it, you know, tensions can get riled up. Things can get frustrated, angry, and uh, this is a theme that will come back later. Uh, for me, how am I confronting the the boundaries that I've built for myself to avoid feeling something? painful to avoid mm. feeling embarrassment or sadness or grief and it, it hit me last night I was as I was putting together these notes uh, my wife bought me this book for uh, a long time ago birthday uh, and it's called steering the craft a 21st century guide to sailing the sea of story and it's by Ursula K Le Guin the legendary science fiction fantasy writer Love her. and uh, 
I I was in the middle of writing a, a book myself at the time, and I was just right on the edge of getting to that climactic moment. And she bought me this book, and and you know I had this whole plan to do a road trip to Missoula, where a lot of the book is set. And she wrote this lovely. Uh, note, Peter, I know paper books aren't really your thing, but I thought this might be inspirational enough to get you to Missoula. Let's get a date on the calendar uh, and uh, a little heart. She put a little heart at the end and because we're married and she loves me. And uh, <laughs> and I never went to Missoula. I never finished the book and I've been terrified of confronting that. And I found this last night and I opened it up and this was the her note was the bookmark that I'd, I hadn't even finished this book and I have been avoiding that conversation and it was one of those that just like it's like you open the closet and the body falls out on you right mm -hmm. it's so surprising you'd forgotten you'd hidden the body there and suddenly Ben is in my face like what is it I had like jammed and boarded up that door and suddenly this note of just love and caring and encouragement crushed me why had I been avoiding that why had I been like putting putting the bars of shame across this door mm. to never peek open again and so that's one of those lessons I don't think you stop learning right, right. like I just I, I was hoping that once I'd had that experience with Ben that I'd be done and I could move on and and not have to learn that lesson again but it turns out it wasn't quite enough uh, but at least I'm aware of it when it happens yeah um, and I'm I'm faced with those hard things. I realize, oh, I'm a human, and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep doing this. What can I do different this time? Yeah, yeah. And one of those lessons that never gets easy, but it it really gets yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe even natural. But did you hard. get anything out of him, or did you just? Yeah. No, exactly. I skipped his episode. I didn't get anything from him. That's why I thought he's my younger brother, I, and he made me cry. Well, I kind of figured you that was a contentious cry. episode too, because of that stupid picture in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. We never did call my mom to get to the bottom of that. You were supposed to do that. Um, I was. I dropped that. Yeah, that yeah. was on me. I kind of want to keep going with your summaries, and then I'll list all of mine. Do you want to do that, or do you want to oh, go back okay. and forth? Oh, okay. So we'll do the whole thing? Okay, back and forth. Okay, let's do that. So the second one um, was, um, it was Dave. Rico. Uh, Rico, yeah. And, okay, so... This is a reset for me. I've always loved the like hashtag adulting meme. And mm -hmm. Rico's work has been talking about like, here's what it means to be an adult and to go through live change and all that. But I, I, after having that conversation or hearing that conversation and having our afterthoughts about Dave, I realized that it, it, we culturally are enormously dismissive of just how hard it is to face the change we actually face over time, regardless of chronological age, right? Yeah. Um, and, and making a joke out of it is dismissive of the things that we face that are hard. And the things that you face that are hard are different than the things that I face that are hard. But it doesn't make them any less hard, yeah. <laughs> right? His it's of like, life are really hard. Yes, they, they so are simply really and, hard and plainly. Yeah. And yet every one of them is a bit of a punch in the face uh, yeah, because we don't want to grieve. That's, yeah. that's a huge piece of what I really loved about his message there is we're scared to grieve. And, yeah. you know, if I if I pull those up, everything changes and ends. I mean, it's every relationship, yeah. every career, every everything, you 100%. know, things do not always go according to plan. Yeah, sometimes excruciatingly so. 
Life is well, not that's, always And that's fair. exactly what I mean. Yeah, okay, I'll let you keep going. Right. Pain is part of life and people are not loving and loyal all the time. Yeah. It's a really yeah, hard it, truth about life. And nobody and, gets and to avoid this. Nobody gets to avoid it. And everybody's experience within each one of those is unique. And yeah. we cannot judge one another's ex- lived experience inside those givens, um, you know, with with judgment. Like we cannot approach because you've you haven't gone through what they're going through. You've gone through your own. And I think Dave's approach to all of that is just really gentle and and um, loving. And, and I found that special. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, number three is Ted Klontz. Mm-hmm. Now, in spite of my efforts as an amateur psychologist, I still have not <laughs> mastered motivational interviewing. But uh, I, I have been working really hard, I find, since that conversation to slow down. And every time I find myself boiling over, I think about Ted and how gently and slowly and calmly he approaches the this sort of the the act and art of confrontation and i think i'm a little bit i think i'm a little bit better at recentering mm-hmm. uh at, at dissociating the emotional weight so that i can remain just a little bit more clear-headed so that my voice doesn't rise quite as quickly and and i'm not i'm not great at it but i'm again like ben i'm aware of it and yeah. i'm aware of the headroom that i have between my experience and my aspiration and at least I feel like I'm nudging it up every, every time. Well, done. every time I, I have an experience. Yeah, right. I mean, that's something. Heck yeah, I've studied with that guy and practiced his stuff in my career for a yeah. very long time. And every single time I'm I'm with him, I'm reminded of um, how far I have to go. <laughs> yeah, and I can't tell if it's that he keeps moving the dang goalposts because he himself gets softer and softer and kinder and kinder, or what's oh. going on there. But. Uh, but it has been truly a, an enormous gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's absolutely right. So that was that was Ted. Uh, number four was Carlene uh, Britton, who she she gestalted me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. She sure I got did. gestalted, and I thought <laughs> we need to get stickers made. <laughs> I've been gestalted. <laughs> I've been gestalted. Uh, so the the whole idea. That experience was, you know, when you volunteered me and I was having a terrible day. I'll never forget (laughs) that day over Macho Grande where you said, hey, I had this great idea. You should be the the person. I was like, Dodge, I just showed up to record and listen. You just you now you're throwing me into the into the trenches. And so uh, I did. I showed up for this exercise. Uh, I wasn't feeling good. And I just and then boom, Carlene. She gestalted me and uh, taught me a lesson that I uh, maybe the the most sort of clear, coherent message that I use to my on myself every single day. Right. Which is the act of tossing that sort of the practice of of like experiencing the trite self-talk, the you can do it. Right. The the happy Gilmore talk uh, and being more inquisitive about my experience in any given moment of challenge, right? Being asking myself those questions um, about, you know, how is this, how is this working out for me, right? Mm-hmm. How is, how, what is it, just being more interested in myself as if I'm talking to myself as a third party. Yeah. Um, and talking that to... has been, yeah, transformational. Well, well, it's like talking to yourself the way Ted would talk to you. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Nikki was number five. Nikki Kinzer. We talked about the ADHD paradox. And uh, I've uh, obviously I have some more experience there as a co-host with her longtime co-host with her on the ADHD podcast. Um, and so this was mostly my experiment at throwing you two together to see what would happen. And I'm really pleased with it. It was it's a fascinating experience listening to you guys talk about change, like facing the thing that you you can't ever really fix right navigating around a behavioral experience that that is never going to resolve but your emotional relationship with it can change and i thought that was fascinating right they had experience of of like how coaching helps to do that so i was i was thrilled with that conversation Me i can't too. wait to hear yours really enjoyed yeah. that um sam sinyangway uh you know he reflects i i think the kind more I would like to hear more shows, more of our episodes like Sam's going forward in, in future seasons, too, because I think we've we've set a really great foundation. And now Sam is like the practical implementation in the world of all the great things we've talked about. Right. Yeah. Of of slowing down, of, you know, sort of fighting the good fight, but not in a in a riot and rage uh, capacity, it, which by all rights, he has the the right to be that fired up, right? As as a person of color in this world dealing with police violence and police shootings. And he has chosen to take this path to communicate, to use the power of data and to do it in a way that that can that changes changes minds. And uh, I, I like to think that we're all capable of both approaching any problem that way. And of allowing ourselves to be sort of, um, you know, flexible enough to be changed by it. Mm. And, um, and so that was, that was a powerful conversation. I'm really glad Sam was on the show. Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Suman, relax. <laughs> <laughs> Which is both kind of like what I want, what I wanted to say to him just out of just sheer irony. <laughs> And uh, and to what I just feel like uh, in my experience, and I've started doing yoga, I've started doing yoga, and what I hear in my head when I do my yoga, which is clumsy, like an elephant who has never done yoga, um, what I hear is your story of the two of you going to a yoga class and you recounting your experience of watching Suman do yoga. <laughs> it's that's in my head every time. <laughs> It's I like do my warrior pose. Simultaneously <laughs> inspiring and maddening yeah. to watch how elegantly. <laughs> I've never seen anyone, not even a yoga teacher, do yoga quite so elegantly as Suman. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's that's I, really important, though, because because I think the physical experience is as important as the emotional experience. Those two things are tied so uh, so closely together. And that like hearing him talk about Vipassana and and, you know, his experience with with that uh is is one that um that's become important to me just remembering how closely tied my mind and body are uh <laughs> and that makes a difference it sure does i i loved your intro to his show in uh reminding people um that this was going to be a very relaxing episode and that they probably shouldn't listen to it while operating heavy machinery 
or performing <laughs> surgery. <laughs> I don't know what doctors listen For to. For all our surgeons who are out there, please don't listen to that episode while working on somebody's body. Yep. It yeah. also reminds me of a great Tai Chi teacher I've seen over the years. It's Tai Chi, relax harder. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's good. That's it. Uh, yeah. And then Linda was the was our our last uh, guest, and she was uh, talking about the you know speaking in dreams, and that was yet another one like Carlene that hit me out of the blue. I did not. I I brought a joke, and she she t- taught us that it's not a joke, and no. <laughs> and also uh, made me cry. Right. And so there's that. Linda. We both got schooled. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I knew it's something like, about dreams till Linda showed up. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, right. Right. You yeah. know nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then you so that was, that was incredibly powerful to talk about my dream just the way you talked about yours in the Afterthoughts episode. So I have brought my, yeah. I've done my homework for that. Oh, I can't And wait. once again, it was one of those things where I had to hate you for a little while and then I was like, <laughs> oh, this was amazing. I love how this worked and we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think my, uh, and uh, in, in terms of just tying up my eight insights, um, y- you know, I am, I am, I, I feel like they all, they, they create a narrative for me that I think is, was surprising. I, I did not expect there to be such a, a clear, thread which is at least from my experience that you know how we a- approach the the barriers and confront the barriers to our sort of lived experiences is, is you know exactly how we want to live in the world and for me that is like uh, you know to face every day with less fear and mm-hmm. um, to face every relationship clear-eyed, clear-headed, and open-hearted, and, um, you know, to face myself with the, uh, with language that brings down those internal barriers, and um, to embrace the things that I can control, and release the things that I cannot, and I I think that's, I I just really love that whole experience, the whole sort of line of this season. It was really wonderful. Yeah. What do you think? One I didn't hear you uh, talk about yet was our amazing bonus episode for members only, which was Crato. Tell me yeah, a little bit. I what, wanted you want to say a little I, bit. I was what, hiding that because I didn't know how many people would actually have listened to that whole thing. Um, I hope people, just people just because it was released as a members episode, exactly. Right. So, right. Um, so you know that's <laughs> Crato's story is amazing. So Crato is is Sam Sinyangwe's father and their whole experience there are two things that stuck out to me there one is this guy has has found a way to be so incredibly open to circumstance in a way that is not common in my experience right Mm -hmm. that he i mean call it synchronicity call it coincidence call it whatever you want he is aware when or, or even if he's not aware, he is open when circumstance comes into his life, he embraces it. And I think there are, I know from my own experience, I can look back on opportunities missed because I was not open to, you know, um, to just 
things that were coming into my path. I didn't see it clearly. I didn't know. And for him, you know, he starts as his kid giving this fish hook to somebody who was not very nice to him, right? His grace and uh, generosity in that one moment opened his, like, opened his entire world um, to, to just, you know, incredible leaps of circumstance (laughs) that that were just amazing and so you know i i liken him in many respects to ted right just the way he sort of moves through the world feels intentional and slow and um and and resonant uh like nothing else right like he was he was pretty special um there was another oh the other piece was uh of the father-son relationship I know that that Credo is is proud of Sam and proud of both of his children, and um, I think I have been more aware of the gap that exists between me and my children, the things they don't know about me and my history and my experience, as a result of talking to these two guys or hearing them their stories. Because I feel like as much as they love each other and are proud of each other, there's there's a world of stuff they don't know about one another, yeah. right? That's and and that's incredible that yeah. that that exists. And I I'd never really considered it before that because I, I don't know I I made my children they should don't they know everything <laughs> like, right they come from me shouldn't they know everything about me and and they don't and they make assumptions like we do about anybody. Um, And so I've been trying to be more intentional about that experience of just handing things down and being open and clear about my own experience and how that has taught me, you know, the the lessons that have served me well in my life. I I haven't been as diligent about that as I think maybe I I should have been. So Yeah. That's That's a really interesting and beautiful additional takeaway. Huh. I love that, Pete. Thank you very much for sharing all of those. That's that's moving and fascinating to just hear you talk about what's stayed with you in your day-to-day life about those. I too had, I mean, I found real, I was really surprised by the through line of, of all of the episodes in some ways. I don't know why, but when I went to just start to write down, okay, so what do I remember about this one and this one and this one, right? I wasn't thinking about paradox per se. Um, but listen to the summaries as they come out. And f- amazing to me is like, I I don't think we could have planned the step-by-step sort of progression better if we tried. And I mean, we were yeah. just kind of scheduling them as they naturally fit, you know, started with a pilot episode of my brother. But other than that, it was like, well, let's see who's available. So I'll go a little faster through them so you can hear the connections between them and, okay. and we'll talk about them on the other side. From Ben, what I got was, we can't force our feelings to change without repercussions, but if we join with those feelings, we don't have to. From Dave, we can't change life's givens, but if we accept them with an unconditional yes, we don't have to. From Ted, we can't change others, but if we really join them as they are, where they are, we don't have to. And from Carlene, she adds the paradoxical theory of change, which says, in effect, we really can't change ourselves without embracing who we are as we are. And as Carl Rogers put it, puts it, uh, the curious paradox is that when I can accept myself just as I am, then I can change. 
So again, we can't change ourselves, but we don't have to. Which applies exactly to Nikki's wisdom about ADHD. We can't change our experience of ourselves until we find acceptance for it. And at that point, one's experience of ADHD starts to change quite a lot. Finally, you get to work with it, right? Instead of fighting and fighting and denying and pretending it, you know, all of the stuff. From Sam, I heard him saying, in a sense, we can't change society by force. But in more deeply observing what's happening and sharing that, the will to change can emerge in the other. And then Suman takes that sort of, that level of observation and acceptance to the extreme in Vipassana, where he's teaching us that our suffering lies in our reactivity. And that as we learn to sit still in the sensation of aversion and craving, they pass. And what's left is the peace we sought in the first place. And from Linda, she went a notch further and showed us that 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 level of observation of self is powerful in ways that go beyond the body and sensation, that our dreams, if carefully observed, will speak to us in profound ways. And the simple act of listening itself can be transformational. There's nothing to do with a dream. I mean, yeah, you can make it kind of an exercise if you want to, and we'll go into that. But, mm-hmm. but just the truly, deeply listening to a dream is changes us. And it fits Carl Jung's teaching. Until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our lives, and we will call it fate. And strangely, as we start to make it conscious, it loses its power. Or it becomes something new, <clears throat> which is what every single one of these people has been teaching. And Credo, for those who haven't heard that episode, Samson Youngway's father is an equally extraordinary man, and his story is remarkable. Uh, he started at a level of poverty that very few Americans have any concept of. I would venture to say no, no listener does unless they've been in third world countries. Um, and as a Tanzanian boy was living without shoes, often without food, uh, was supporting the family himself and feeding his many siblings at like maybe age nine or ten. Uh, remarkable story. And it's a story about what happened when one day he uh, – well, he was generous in a way that was – utterly unexpected given his circumstances and how he was being treated in the moment. And so in a sense, what we learned from him is the ultimate example in paradoxical change that sincere childlike act of giving when we have nothing left to give can indeed unlock the generosity of the whole world. Yeah. Like where he ends up given where he started makes no sense at all. No. Um, no, unless you just unless you look at at you know his wiring to interact with with the world around him, right? Right. I mean, his, those, that's the that's the synchronous state, right? His fantastic intelligence and his natural leadership yeah. and all of those things, but even all of those, something else was happening. I know, here. It's I know just a lot astounding. of smart leaders, right? I know right. a lot of smart leaders who don't who haven't you know been the places that the world has taken him. He's he is. As close um, a, you know, 
an, an experience is like the Forrest Gump story. <laughs> like he comes right. from <laughs> from nothing and achieves greatness, and so it, and does it with such a light touch that it seems magical. He, he moves through the world with through the world with um, Ted's softness. Yeah. Linda soft. I mean, like he's he's yeah. got a he's got a, exactly a very light touch. So when I listen to kind of that whole summary, I start to ask myself, so what what am I getting from this? The first thing I get is that superficial temporary change is always available to us. We can scratch an itch, and for a moment, it's better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that the itch is a poison ivy. The more we scratch, the more it spreads. Um, that's, I get that kind of from Vipassana's way of, of teaching, yeah. right? But really, yeah. I mean, my brother's saying the same thing about emotions, right? Like the, the more you fight them down, uh, you know, we either have our, we either have our feelings or they have us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the more they're acting through us all the time. So it just, it gets harder and harder and harder and we control it and control it more and more. The spread of that itch is our sense that our well-being in the world is secured by control. If I can manage my outer experience, everything will be fine. Most of us are living with that idea. Mm-hmm. It's so ingrained that most of us would go, yeah, what else are you supposed to do with your outer experience, right? Mm-hmm. And whether on a small level or a large one, the change we seek tends to be a trap. We chase our impulses of aversion and craving all day long. And what I loved was that every guest had some merciful teaching about how that's worthy of both our compassion and our scrutiny. (laughs) Totally. Right? Autopilot is forgivable, but not helpful. (laughs) 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 So whether we're... You just... There's another sticker. Right. (laughs) Forgivable, but not helpful. (laughs) So whether we're fighting our feelings or life's givens themselves, like control is not the way. The unconditional yes, as Dave would put it, is paradoxically the access point to the peace we seek on the other side of the superficial change we'd hoped we could force, right? Every time we're scratching that is, we just want to reestablish control. Why? Because we want to fucking feel peaceful. We would just yeah, want to feel right. better, for God's sake. <laughs> Please let me feel better. I want to, I want to feel better now and hard. Like, right. I want it now. <laughs> I want away from that thing I don't like, or I want toward yeah, that thing that right. I'm sure promises peace. It's going to make me happy. And so what jumps out of me then is Dave's incredible statement about the power of the unconditional yes and its opposite. Control. This is how he puts it. Our life is a seesaw tottering between terror and control as long as we stutter at the word yes. And why do we work so hard for control? It's our only way around grief. There, But there is no life path around grief. Every life has got these givens. And then you can put them in Dave's form of these five givens or Ben's form of hard feelings are coming. <laughs> they yeah. are. They're coming. Yeah. Right? Unavoidable. Right? Or Dave's wisdom about kind of the change process and its stages or, you know, I mean, Nikki talking about ADHD or Suman just talking about the very sensations of being a human being are often really hard and we get really reactive about them. Or Carlene talking about like how you like just you can do it, buddy, isn't going to get you over the hump. 
You're yes. not in. You're not actively engaged in the challenge that sits before you, and only by being inquisitive with yourself and that challenge are you going to be able to open the door. Yeah, huge. Uh, I've said to clients for years, we can't change what we won't join. Sometimes words come to me and they just feel true, and I use them before I really understand them. And this season has helped me so much to understand better why. Um, yeah. And I'm also kind of led back to Rico's solution about control. I, I, I wrote down this quote too. Control is so deeply ingrained in illusion that we even think we can let go of control simply by wanting to. We do not let go of control. We let go of the belief that we have control. The rest is grace. The givens of life are the tools of the universe provides for that lessons. Lovely. Lovely. Um, so when I kind of add all of that up, I found myself thinking about words that had come to me quite a while ago uh, when I was shaving. And like, I mean, they just hit me sort of like hard on the head, you know? So I literally dictated them into my phone as fast as I could and didn't have time to really think about them and then have wondered about them ever since. And I think they really kind of got into my head enough to really wake, make me want to, to do this show in the first place. But I feel like mm -hmm. I'm starting to kind of get them a little better. What I wrote down was we can affect what we resist, but we can't transform it. We can change its shape, but not its nature. And I think this is part of why change is confusing. We can affect what we resist, right? Uh, we, we can change its shape. But without this unconditional yes piece, without the simultaneous surrender, we don't change the nature of the problem we're talking about. I wrote further, until we're willing to get close to an experience, we can push it away, but we'll never make it beautiful. Yeah. There's something about the way my brother, for all the way at the beginning of the episode, was talking about confronting pain that makes it beautiful. Yeah. But so did Dave and so did Ted. And all the way down the line through to Linda and Credo. All yeah. of these people have a way of not pushing away their experience and allowing it, even the hard experience, maybe especially the hard experience, to become beautiful. I, I think, I, I mean, you were using the words to become beautiful, but I, I feel like there's another, the, the, the other way to express that is to become integrated with it, right? To integrate yeah. it with who you are, right? You can keep resisting it and keep it as an outside, or you can integrate it and understand it. You can integrate it and understand it. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean it's not sometimes confusing, but it, it does mean that you have a relationship with it and anything else is denying a relationship with it. Yes. To, to push it away or to change its shape but not its nature is to stay out of relationship with it. I mean, it's just to right. stay in right. kind of locked horns and we're at, at war with it or ourselves or the parts of us we can't accept that we send into exile or amputate, mm -hmm. as Linda put it. And the last line of that piece that I dictated into my phone until we're willing to get close to an experience, we can push it away but never make it beautiful and it will never change us the way it was meant to. Right. And I guess that that involves a little faith. Some of these guests talked about that more than others. Like, what if some of these things are the way they are very much on purpose? 
somebody up there is helping us. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Lots more to learn, my friend, and I'm certainly looking uh, yeah. forward to season two to just go further into all of that. But I promised you that I would uh, would work on that dream. <clears throat> Let's those unveil who... the dream. <laughs> this was hilarious to me because um, I had put it off and put it off and kept forgetting, and then I'd remember but didn't have a chance and put it off some more. And so by the time I had a chance to write these things down, I had to do it really fast. So I went with the very first thing that came to me, like <laughs> just bam, 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 and dictated them in like that, right? So this yeah. is an exercise Linda Odom taught us to do with dreams, which is to take a dream and to understand, as Carl Jung would, that every element of that dream is some aspect of you. To look at each of those different elements, put yourself in the, in the position of that element, whether it's a thing or a person or you, and to write th- at least three I am statements and describe yourself as that element of the dream. And then look at all of them comprehensively, read them all together at once as a message from your unconscious to you about parts of you you don't know about fully, right? So I had shared this remarkable dream I had the night of our interview with Linda. I'm sure no coincidence. That was the the night after or the Uh, night before? I can't remember our timing. The night after. Yep, yeah, the night after speaking with Linda. I had this dream that I was in an airplane and one of the doors fell open. And I guess in that moment, I was strongly identified with the part of me that has never entirely been okay with life as life is. I just sometimes don't want to freaking be here. Um, I don't like being in a human body sometimes. It's hard here. And so I decided now's my chance and I just moved toward the door and was sucked right out of it without a parachute and plunged toward the earth and fell and fell and fell and was in the normal state of terror. But as I fell, I came to this really clear insight. Oh, shit. I don't want to die at all. Mm. I don't want to die. And so I was trying every stupid little thing I could to slow my fall, like, you know, ballooning my T-shirt out like a parachute, hoping maybe that would slow my, you know, hurtling pace. It never works. I do that in dreams, too. It never works. (laughs) works. (laughs) So instead, in the dream, finally, I just prayed for, you know, help. And somehow came to a thud on the ground and knew that by some miracle I hadn't died, that the prayer had been answered and then woke up. So. Okay. The airplane, my three I am statements as fast as I could, came out with, I am indifferent. I am part of the plan. I am an opening to learning. Wow. I know. I didn't know where that came from, right? (laughs) Me falling. I am terrified. I'm finally clear. I'm willing to accept life on life's terms. I am at the mercy of the divine. Oh. And then one element of the dream, of course, was God. So I had to go with I am here 
I am kind. And I'm just waiting for your unconditional yes. Wow. Listen to you. How do you feel? Hmm. Like, that feels like there's there's insight in there. Oh, man. Brings tears to my eyes. Yeah, yeah. it does. Ties up the season beautifully. Yeah. The same experience. Like, we start with a dream that's just worthy of chuckling at. Mm-hmm. And turn it around and suddenly there is depth. Yeah. Who knew? So I guess if I am all nine of those things in different part of the plan, open to learning, terrified, finally clear I'm willing to accept life on life's terms and at the mercy of the divine, I'm here, I am kind, I'm just waiting for the unconditional yes. That des- that describes you to me. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you for everything you've done to make this first season possible. Thank you in advance for all you're already doing to make season two come together so beautifully. And you, it is just lovely uh, what I think this show has become, at least for us, hopefully to others, uh, as it continues to get out there. We are taking some time off, just a, just a handful of weeks as we plan uh, our next season and get the schedule all lined up and start doing a little bit of pre-recording. So thank you for your patience. Uh, you can learn more at uh, truestory.fm slash the change paradox. If you want to come over there, join the community, uh, get access to these uh, members-only Afterthoughts episodes, we invite you to do so. Yep. Uh, we'd love your participation over there. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Love you, Pete. Love you too, brother. <laughs>